These are the daily lectionary comments for November the 8th. We're going to look at uh, Jeremiah chapter 20. We're going to look at the complaints of Jeremiah, and in particular this one in Jeremiah 20. And then we're going to look at Matthew chapter 24, beginning verse 29, where Jesus actually speaks of the very end of the world, what we can expect it to look like. Okay, Jeremiah chapter 20. Now, actually, before we get to Jeremiah 20, you will know that we have skipped. We were last in Jeremiah chapter 11, and then we've jumped to Jeremiah 20, so we've got a bunch of chapters. I, I would recommend, if you find Jeremiah interesting reading, to go ahead and, and read through those. There's a number of, of interesting uh, oracles and stories about how Jeremiah demonstrated uh, 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 God's message to his people. This is what I want to focus on right now. Um, Jeremiah is oftentimes called the weeping prophet. He, he's not, also, you might call him the complaining prophet. There, there's some places where he is very bitter. And of course, the nature of God calling him, the nature of this ministry, this is a tough ministry. This is a tough job. And uh, Jeremiah does yeoman's work, but you can really hear how it starts wearing on him. Um, the first complaint is in chapter 12. And, uh, and, and Jeremiah says, uh, Righteous are you, O Lord, when I complain to you. Yet I would plead my case before you. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why do all who are treacherous thrive? You plant them and they take root. They grow and produce fruit. Well, okay, so that's his complaint, or at least a part of it, in chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. Uh, but now what's interesting is the Lord's answer, and this is in verse 5. He, he says, the Lord says to Jeremiah, If you have raced with men on foot, and they have wearied you, how will you compete with horses? And if in a safe land you are so trusting, what will you do in the thicket of the Jordan? In other words, Jeremiah, the stuff that's happening to you right now is like nothing compared to what is coming down the pike so gird up your loins my friend um so that's that's uh, amusing uh there but now here here's another uh complaint jeremiah's complaint um he says this is in jeremiah chapter 15 this is his second complaint um he said your words were found is verse 16 your words were found and i ate them and your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord, God of hosts. I did not sit in the company of revelers, nor did I rejoice. I sat alone because your hand was upon me. For you had filled me with indignation. Why is my pain unceasing, my wound incurable, refusing to be healed? Will you be to me like a deceitful brook, like waters that fail? This is the Lord's answer then. Therefore, thus says the Lord, if you return, I will restore you and you shall stand before me. If you utter what is precious and not what is worthless, you shall be as my mouth. They shall turn to you, but you shall not turn to them. And I will make you to this people a fortified wall of bronze. They will fight against you but they shall not prevail over you, for I am with you to save you and deliver you. Okay, so that's, uh, that's a couple of Jeremiah's complaints that we skipped over. Just to give you kind of a sense for that, 
But now then let's take a look at our reading today. And this uh, here we have good old Posher. Posher was a, a head priest, uh, uh, one of the head priests in the uh, uh, in the temple, and he had Jeremiah beaten and put in the stocks. And and then when Jeremiah is released the next day, he turns on Pasher and 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 basically begins to deliver an oracle to the Lord, um, ma- making Pasher uh, sort of making fun of his name and talking about how uh, the Lord does not call you uh, your name Pasher, but terror on every side so the hebrew word for terror on every side in other words uh essentially jeremiah is making posture a picture of the disaster which is coming upon the people and from that time on he starts talking about how the, you're going to be a terror to yourself you're going to be a terror to everybody else in other words you as uh, this army coming from uh, babylon to drag you off and he says you and your whole family you and your f- whole family pasture verse six all who dwell in your house shall go into captivity. To Babylon you shall go, and there you shall die. Now, this last complaint here, uh, he says in verse uh, 7, O Lord, you have deceived me, and I was deceived. You are stronger than I, and you have prevailed. Basically complaining that your word was given to me, I spoke it, and rather than your word accomplishing the great things which, uh, which I, I would have expected your word to do, uh, you told me that you would be with me and you would strengthen me. Instead, I'm being beaten. I'm being mocked everywhere I go. Um, uh, you didn't tell me all of this. Look at verse uh, 10. It's very interesting. It says, uh, it says, for I hear many whispering terror on every side. Of course, that's what that's what uh, Jeremiah had said Pasher was going to be called. But now the terror on every side is now being turned on Jeremiah. Verse 11 says, but the Lord is with me like a dread warrior. And then he prays in verse 12, let me see your vengeance upon them. These people who are plotting against me and who are beating me and who are terror on every side. But now, okay, here is the most stunning part. It's stunning enough that Jeremiah says to the Lord, you deceive me. I mean, really? You deceive me? You're telling the Lord he deceived you? But look, beginning at verse 14, Jeremiah really pours forth bitterness. And this, this is hard to read. And you can just really get a sense for just how hard this has been on Jeremiah. Not only the abuse that he's taking from his people, but understand... He loves these people and he's having to do nothing but deliver oracle after oracle of disaster on these people as they ignore him. And he knows they're just digging their, their, their grave deeper and deeper. Look what he says. Cursed be the day on which I was born. The day my mother bore me, let it not be blessed. Cursed be the man who brought the news to my father. A son is born to you, making him very glad. Let that man... Be like the cities that the Lord overthrew without pity. Let him hear a cry in the morning and an alarm at noon because he did not kill me in the womb. So my mother would have been my grave and her womb forever great. Why did I come out of the womb to see toil and sorrow and spend my days in shame? That is the words of Jeremiah to the Lord. And they give you a real insight into just what 
emotionally and physically uh, this call from God to preach his word to these people was taking on this prophet Jeremiah. It really shows you that this is a real flesh and blood human being here who is just racked with emotional and physical pain. Uh, and yet the Lord is with him. All right, Mar- uh, Matthew chapter 24, beginning at verse 29. Remember yesterday we talked about how uh, the the disciples asked Jesus when he mentioned that the temple was to be destroyed, and when will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And remember that he answered those uh, in reverse order. He started by talking about the signs of the end of the age uh, and the sign, but, but he, then he breaks off and then he talks about how actually the temple is to be destroyed. And then he returns to the signs of the end of the age. That's where we're at right now. So he begins by discussing the, the general signs of the end of the age. Then he discusses the destruction of the temple. And then he comes back to the sign of the end of the age where we are right now. And he says in verse 29, so after the end times period, the time when the church is spreading, uh, the kingdom of God is growing, uh, it's being resisted, it's being fought. But nevertheless, um, you know, Jesus says uh, the gospel will be preached to all nations and then the end will come. Well, verse 29 says immediately after the tribulation of those days. So in other words, as soon as the work of the church is done, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from heaven. The powers of the heavens will be shaken. He's quoting Isaiah here. Um, he says, they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather the elect. The sign of the Son of Man is going to happen in such a way that it is not something that you could miss. You do not have to worry about whether you're going to see Jesus coming or not, or if you're not, if you sleep through it, it's not going to happen. Jesus says, as the as lightning is visible from the east, even to the west, so will it be the coming of the Son of Man. Here he says, in the sky, the, scar, the stars, everything will, will be darkened and falling from the sky, and here will come the Son of Man to judge the world. It will be a cosmic event, and it will mean that history and time as we know it will end. Now, um, so we will see Jesus visibly coming with his angels. I don't know what else I can say about what it's going to look like than that, but that it will be visible, it will be undeniable, and it will be Jesus, and it will be the end. And if anybody suggests to you anything other than that, uh, you are not at the end. He, he says uh, uh, later on, no one knows, this is in verse 36, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father knows when this will be. So the Son, in other words, Jesus, as, as a human being here in this world, does not know the answer. Now, there are so many uh, Christians who have sold so many books and became so famous trying to predict the end times and when the last day was going to come um, and it's, it's embarrassing that anybody ever believes these things, but they do. Somebody gets up and says, I've calculated, I've, I've figured it out. I, you know, I've, I've run the, the, the Bible through a supercomputer and this is what it spits out. And so for some reason or another, somebody will have another date come out. Ignore it all. Whenever it comes, it will take everybody by surprise. They will not know. Jesus says, I come like a thief in the night. 
He says two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding in a mill, one will be taken and the other left. Don't misunderstand this. Some people talk about like this is going to be the great rapture. Suddenly half the world or, you know, every other person is just going to disappear suddenly. Um, one taken and the other left. Um, that is not what this is saying. What this is saying is when Jesus comes in all his glory, it may be that side by side is somebody who will be saved and somebody who will not. One will be taken to be with the Lord. One will be left for judgment. But it isn't going to be a sudden, uh, you know, invisible rapturing. All of a sudden, all the Christians are gone from the world. That isn't going to happen. The Christians are going to be taken out of the world when the world itself goes away. Uh, and that's when the great judgment is going to happen. So don't misunderstand those words. One final thing, and very quickly. Verse uh, 34 says, this generation will not take place or will not pass away until... All these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word shall not pass away. That is a difficult verse. Um, and it, so, so it's, been, it's been interpreted various ways. One is, this generation means the Jews. In other words, there will still be Jews in the world, uh, and, and there will still be a generation in the world, um, a generation of people, a race of people, uh, when the end comes. It, it could mean that. Um, it could mean that, that uh, the generation that sees these things start to take place, uh, in other words, when you see the sun darkened and the moon and all of that, uh, then, then that very generation is going to see the end of the world. Uh, in other words, it's not going to take very long. It's possible that. A third uh, explanation is what he means by generation. Oftentimes, when in the New Testament, it talks about the, the, this generation, it's, it's not, a, it's not a, uh, a positive thing to say this generation of people on the earth. So here the sense would be uh, this generation, that is people who continue to resist the kingdom and reject the Christ will not pass away until all this takes place. Um, there may be other possible uh, interpretations too, and none of those are entirely satisfactory, but there you go. Uh, there's some options. I'm way over time here.